so what is the real reason Christians or they people who call themselves Christians don't obey God's fourth commandment? Previously, I made a blog and I listed several justifications and misunderstandings that Christians use to disobey God's fourth commandment. Well, here's another one. Someone said that John chapter 20, verse 19 shows that the Sabbath was changed to Sunday. Now, this rationalization is just it's just terrible, as if going to a worship service on a Wednesday evening or any other day of the week would automatically change a commandment given by God. John chapter 20, verse 19 does not show the disciples celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, as some people claim. This verse says that the apostles were hiding in fear of the Jews. They didn't even believe that Jesus was resurrected. Mark chapter 16, verses 11 through 14, shows Jesus rebuking them for their unbelief. The Bible does tell us in the book of Daniel about a future persecuting power that would seek to change God's times and laws, which it did. Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, New King James Version reads, He shall speak pompous words against the Most High and shall persecute the saints of the Most High and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. Daniel refers to this change of God's law by the Antichrist power as reaching to the host of heaven and trampling the heavenly sanctuary underfoot. So why aren't more pastors and teachers teaching this? Now, I have to tell you guys, here are some explicit statements made by the papacy, the Roman church, popes, and historians concerning Sunday worship. This is, here's the first one. And it states, the sun was a foremost god with heathendom. The sun has worshipers at this hour in Persia and other lands. The pagan Sunday dedicated to Balder became the Christian Sunday, sacred to Jesus. This is taken from the cap from a Catholic named William William Gedea, who was a doctor of divinity, and he wrote it in the uh, magazine The Catholic World, March 1894, page 809. There are so many statements that the that the Catholic Church themselves state that they are the ones who can change God's times, God's laws. They have this authority, so it must be right. Here's another one. Sir James G. Fraser, who is an authoritative scholar, made this statement in his book, The Worship of Nature, Volume 1, page 529. He wrote, in ancient Babylonia, the sun was worshipped with immemorial antiquity, which means many long ago. Here's another one taken from the externals of the Catholic Church, her government, ceremonies, festivals, sacramentals, and devotions by John F. Sullivan, page 156, published by P.J. Kennedy, New York in 1942. And he wrote, it's interesting to note how often our church has availed herself of practices which were in common use among pagans. Thus, it is true in a certain sense that some Catholic rites and ceremonies are a reproduction of those of pagan creeds. Now, did Emperor Constantine 
change the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday? Many people think that he did, but the answer is no. However, Constantine's first Sunday law did play a large key role in the final change of the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday. Understand this, Satan has always attacked the commandments of God. He began his first attack in the Garden of Eden. While the second commandment defines who and what we should not worship, the fourth commandment states who it is we worship, and there's no shortage of scriptures stating this. Satan wants to be worshipped like the Most High, so he started his own church and his own day of worship. When did this begin? Well, this can be traced back as far as the Tower of Babel around 2000 B.C., most people who are deceived will say something like, well, it's a well-documented fact that the early church adopted Sunday as their day of worship. Now, this statement is based entirely on the abuse of two or three scriptures that refer to the first day of the week, such as Acts 20, verse 7, and 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. If it was true, then there would have been very clear instruction from God as Jesus made it extremely clear that no one could change or, or no change would occur to the law. This is the Ten Commandment law of God. Something this important just doesn't change based on assumptions. Je Jesus said at Matthew chapter 5, verse 18, and at Luke chapter 16, verse 17, he said, Do not think that I came to do away with or undo the law or the writings of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For I assure you and most solemnly say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke will pass from the law until all things are accomplished. So whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches them, he will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Yet it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for a single stroke of the letter of the law to fail and become void. It's not hard to understand that Jesus was not referring to the Ten Commandment laws, which were written by God's own finger. He was referring to the Mosaic law because the apostles and Paul all wrote that the sacrificial law of Moses was nailed to the cross. What's more, the apostles sternly rebuked and reprimanded the Judaizers who were demanding that people who were converting to Christianity or following Christ, they were demanding that they keep the sacrificial law. But the apostles rebuked these people saying this was done away with at Christ's death. Furthermore, there isn't one single verse in the Bible showing Christians worshiping in the synagogue on a Sunday. But there are quite a few verses where Jesus and his followers worshiped in the synagogue on the Sabbath. Why don't you take a look at Mark chapter 1, verse 21. Mark chapter 6, verse 2. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. Luke chapter 6, verse 6. Luke chapter 13, verse 10. Acts chapter 13, verse 14. Acts chapter 13, verse 42. Acts chapter 13, verse 27. Uh, Acts chapter 15, verse 21. Acts chapter 17, verses 1 and 2. And Acts chapter 18, verse 4. So what about Colossians 
2.16, Galatians 4.10, and Romans 14.5. Are these verses talking about the Sabbath of the Lord? No. Note what the People's New Testament by W.B. Johnson states in 1891 in regards to these three scriptures. One man esteemeth one day above another. A second difference of opinion is now cited. Some Jewish converts or Gentiles who did not understand that the old covenant was ended believed that the Jewish Sabbaths and new moons should be kept sacred. The, this Bible commentary links all three of these passages, but not with the Sabbath of the Lord, but with the Mosaic law, with all the Jewish ceremonial Sabbaths, such as Passover and the Day of Atonement, as well as the new moon festivals. These were practiced because of sin, and that is why they all ended at the cross. Again, we see that all three passages are connected with the ceremonial laws, not the Ten Commandments. There are many pastors and teachers claiming these scriptures ended the fourth commandment, but they quote these scriptures in ignorance. These verses do not refer to the Ten Commandments or the Sabbath at all. They refer to the sacrificial law that was practiced before the cross. This shows that us that those forming these erroneous teachings are either deceived by Satan or they just decided what they think these verses mean when in fact they don't have a clue. Many teach truth mixed with error. That's why we have to read our Bibles, ask God to reveal the truth to us. But so many readily believe what these people teach because it sounds good. Please. Don't believe whatever tickles your ears. Do not believe everything your pastors and your teachers tell you because you don't want to take the time to examine the scriptures for yourselves. Be like the Bereans at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, and Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Jesus said, God is seeking those who worship him in spirit and truth. We have to be so sure of what we believe so that we're not deceived by Satan's lies on crucial topics and salvation issues. So what really happened? In 312 AD, prior to his pivotal victory over his rival Maxentius at the Battle of the Milvian Bridge, Constantine became a Christian after he claimed to see in broad daylight a vision of a cross above the sun with these words emblazoned, in hoc signo vinces, which means by this sign conquered. So he saw this cross above the sun and it was saying, by this sign conquered by the cross. After defeating his enemies and becoming emperor of Rome, Constantine provided, presided in full royal pomp over the first council of Nicaea in 325 AD. Constantine was a shrewd political genius, and his scheme was to unite Christianity and paganism in effort to strengthen his own disintegrating empire. Constantine knew that pagans throughout the empire worshipped the sun on the first day of the week, and he discovered that many Christians in Rome and Alexandria also kept Sunday because Christ rose from the dead on that day. So Constantine developed a plan to unite both groups on the common plat ground of Sunday keeping. And on March 7, 321 AD, he passed his famous National Sunday Law. And this is what it was. 
It states, on the venerable day of the sun, let the magistrates and people residing in cities rest and let all workshops be closed. He said people in the country who were uh, engaged in agricultural could lawfully do that stuff, sow the grain, plant the vines, because if they neglected it, it might not be a good day for them to not reap the harvest of those the vegetables so that, that people could live. Constantine, who was now a professed Christian, nevertheless remained a devout sun worshiper. Constantine even printed coins which bore on one side the letters of the name of Christ and on the other side the figure of the sun god. Again, Constantine's promotion of Sunday observance was part of his definite strategy to combine paganism with Christianity. The, and uh, Stanley's history of the Eastern Church says, the retention of the old pagan name of Dies Solis or Sunday for the weekly Christian festival is in great measure owing to the union of pagan and Christian sentiment with which the first day of the week was recommended by Constantine to his subjects, pagan and Christian alike, as the venerable day of the sun. So in spite of the rising popularity of Sunday sacredness, church historian Socrates Scholasticus in the 5th century wrote, For although almost all churches throughout the world celebrate the sacred mysteries of the Lord's Supper on the Sabbath of every week, yet the Christians of Alexandria and at Rome, on account of some ancient tradition, have ceased to do this. There are many other historians who talk about this stuff. Okay, During this time, many Christians kept both days. But as the centuries wore on, Sunday keeping grew in prominence, and especially in Roman Catholic territories. As the papal church grew in power, it opposed Sabbath observance in favor of Sunday sacredness and made the day change official in the Council of Laodicea, which was A.D. 363 and 364. This is when the Catholic Church outlawed Sabbath keeping in which they decreed the 59 canon laws. The following is a relevant canon law. The Percival translation says, Christians must not Judaize by resting on the Sabbath, but must work on that day, rather honoring the Lord's day. And if they can, resting then as Christians. But if any should be found to be Judaizers, let them be anathema from Christ. 400 years late after the death of Christ and 100 years after Constantine linked church and state by his Sunday law edict, Rome and Alexandria were the only places in the world where many of the Christians kept only Sunday and not the true biblical Sabbath. Why was it that Rome and Alexandria were also the first locations that Sunday worship began? Because this is where the pagan practices of Babylon landed after it was conquered. And what was the dominant pagan practice that the Babylonian priests brought with them? It was sun worship, which was done on Sunday. We all know that the names of the days of our week came from pagan, uh, pagan names. So the change of the Saturday Sabbath to Sunday was totally completed by the 7th century as the popes consolidated their enormous power and persecuted 
everyone who resisted this law. It's clear that sun worship from 2000 BC continues today in the Roman Catholic Church, especially in the Vatican and all over the world. The mystery Babylonian religion went straight into the Church of Rome. That is why God calls her Mystery Babylon to this day. The Roman Catholic Church, it goes even further. It claims responsibility for the change from the seventh day to Sunday worship. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, Section 2, Article 3, they say Sunday, fulfillment of the Sabbath. Sunday is expressly distinguished from the Sabbath, which it follows chronologically each week. For Christians, its ceremonial observance replaces that of the Sabbath. The Sabbath, which represented the completion of first creation, has been replaced by Sunday, which recalls the new creation, has been replaced by Sunday, which recalls the new creation inaugurated by the resurrection of Christ. In respecting religious liberty and the common good of all, Christians should seek recognition of Sunday and the church's holy days as legal holidays. Cardinal James Givens says, this is what he says, but you may read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and you will not find a single line authorizing the sanctification of Sunday. The scriptures enforce the religious observance of Saturday, a day which we never sanctify. Another thing is <laughs> the Converts Catechism of Catholic Doctrine, Canon 50. It's a, it's, this is in their own catechism. It's acts as question and answer. Question, which is the Sabbath day? Answer, Saturday is the Sabbath day. Question, why do we observe Sunday instead of Saturday? Answer, we observe Sunday instead of Saturday because the Catholic Church transferred the solemnity from Saturday to Sunday. Chancellor Albert Smith, which was a cardinal of, Baltimore, of the Baltimore Archdiocese in February 1920, says, if Protestants would follow the Bible, they should worship God on the Sabbath day. By God is Saturday. In keeping the Sunday, they are following a law of the Catholic Church. Stephen Keenan, who was a Catholic, wrote in the Doctrinal Catechism, Question, have you any other way of proving the Church has power to institute festivals of precept? Answer, this is what the Catholic Church says. Has she not such power, she could not have done that in which all modern religionists agree with her. She could not have substituted the observance of Sunday, the first day of the week, for the observance of Saturday, which is the seventh day, a change for which there is no scriptural authority. Catholic priest T. Enright of Kansas City, Missouri wrote, It was the Holy Catholic Church that changed the day of rest from Saturday to Sunday, the first day of the week. And it not only compelled all to keep Sunday, but at the Council of Laodicea, A.D. 364, anathematized those who kept the Sabbath and urged all persons to labor on the seventh day under penalty of anathema. He went so far to say in 1884, he's, this Catholic priest said, I have repeatedly offered a thousand dollars to anyone who can furnish any proof from the Bible that Sunday is the day we are bound to keep. The Bible says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 
But the Catholic Church says, no, keep the first day of the week. And the whole world bows in obedience. The Catholic record in September 1st, 1923 says, the Catholic Church is above the Bible. And this transference of the Sabbath observance is proof of that fact. Pope Leo VIII states in 1894, he said, we, speaking about the popes, hold upon this earth the place of God Almighty. Pope Ferraris in the Ecclesiastic Dictionary stated, the pope is of so great dignity and so exalted that he is not a mere man, but as it were God and the vicar of God. The popes called themselves the vicar of God, vicario filii die, which means the vicar of the son of God, vicarius filii die, which is for Latin vicar of the son of God. C.F. Thomas, who's a cha who, uh, chancellor of Cardinal Gibbons in 1895 says, of course the Catholic church claims that the change was her act. And the act is a mark of her ecclesiastical power and authority in religious matters. It could not have been otherwise, as none in those days would have dreamed of doing anything in matters spiritual, ecclesiastical, and religious without her. This act is a mark of her ecclesiastical power and authority in religion, religious matters. The American Catholic Quarterly Review states, Sunday is purely a creation of the Catholic Church. The Catholic American Sentinel states, Sunday is a law of the Catholic Church alone. So I could go on and on and on. But what's the real problem? Why haven't the majority of, of Christians not seen this? The Bible says that Satan blinds the light so that unbelievers cannot see it. It's interesting that even when these blatant admissions by the Catholic Church of changing the God's Sabbath day, Saturday to Sunday, are shown to people, they still refuse to believe the proof and change to the pure worship that God demands. Why is that? I believe it's because most don't want to change it because it would disrupt their church. It would disrupt their lifestyle or their family and their friends may reject and disown them. But hear the words of our only Lord Jesus. He said in Matthew 10 verse 37, Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. These are Jesus' own words. What are we afraid of? Is not our God greater than all? Listen, our God values and blesses our obedience. If you're hesitant or sure about all this that I've read, it's linked to my blog post that gives more evidence of what the Catholic Church admits herself about this stuff. Why not ask God to show you the path to take? Ask God to give you an obedient heart. That's what David did. Psalm 86, 11, Teach me your way, O Yahweh, and I will live by your truth. Give me an undivided mind to fear your name. Jesus says, this means eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. He also says at John 17, 17, 
He's asking his father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. John 17, 23, 24. Jesus says, I'm telling you the truth. Whatever you ask of the father in my name, he will give it to you. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. My sentiment is this, as the psalmist says at Psalm 119, verses 1 and 2. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of Yahweh. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies and who seek him with their whole heart.